read her card. I have twenty-four. Who has two more? There was a silence. I stared down stupidly at my card, which said twenty-six. Suddenly my heart thumped. I do, I think, I said. I have twenty-six. Who has ten less? Somebody said, I do, I have sixteen. Who has half of me? Another pause, an answer, a question. We went around the room doing mental computations, not always correctly. Anyway, just something fun, said Shelley. She told us we might consider assembling a little canvas bag of puzzles, games, and motor brakes for those moments when a classroom was getting fidgety, especially toward the end of the day. Any questions? The man who used to sell artist supplies asked what time we might get a call from the sub-caller. If it's middle school or high school, I think she starts calling as early as 5 or 5.30 in the morning, Shelley said. Not only does she have to fill every spot, she has to give you time to travel. High school and middle school officially began at 7.30. You don't want to arrive any later than 7 o'clock. Elementary school began later at 9 a.m., so we'd need to be there at 8.30. There was a need for subs at all grade levels. She also told us about the mandatory fingerprinting and criminal background check, which cost $50. We'd need to make an online appointment to be fingerprinted. At 9 o'clock, class was done. I left for work at 6.30 this morning, so I'll be glad to get home, Shelley said. Have a good night, everyone. We thanked her and walked out into the icy, gritty wasteland of the parking lot and drove home. The receptionist at RSU-66's fingerprinting office said, The little boy's room is just down the hall on your left. I'd like you to get your hands nice and soapy and clean and then take a chair, and Sharon will be with you shortly. My fingerprinting session went poorly. Sharon, the fingerprint technician, held my hand and helped me roll my fingers over the little glass scanning window, but each time, after a moment of computation, an image of my fingertip would appear on her computer screen with little mauve areas superimposed on it that indicated biometric inadequacies, and then a rectangle would pop up saying, Rejected. After many tries and much sighing, Sharon overrode the system and sent my flawed scans off to the identity service, Identigo, run by MorphoTrust USA, a subsidiary of Safran, which is a French manufacturer of aerospace components, bombs, and drones. We'll see what they say, she said. Some people just didn't fingerprint well, apparently. I had one woman in here, she was a pianist, and she'd worn her fingerprints away. Do you do a lot of typing? I said I typed all the time. That's probably it, she said. On the second Tuesday night, I told Roy, the former seller of artist supplies, that the idea of being in front of a class of kids frankly scared me. They say ex-military make good substitutes, Roy said. We laughed nervously. So we can get started, said Shelley. She introduced two women— Mrs. Norris, principal of Wallingford Elementary School, one of four elementary schools in the district, and Mrs. Ecklin, RSU-66's director of special education. Mrs. Ecklin gave us an overview of some relevant vocabulary. Children who were diagnosed as having some sort of disability were given an IEP, or Individualized Education Plan. A list of IEP students in a class was usually to be found in the subfolder, along with any accommodations they were entitled to, such as extra help with taking a test. On the individualized education plan were various codes, 
LD meant learning disability, for instance, dyslexia. ED meant emotional disability. S and L meant speech and language complications, and OHI stood for other health impairment, a catch-all that included attention deficit disorder, depression, autism, deafness, blindness, and anxiety. Anxiety is a huge one at the middle school and high school, Mrs. Eklund said. It's even trickling down to the elementary school. Kids who'd had cancer treatment were sometimes classed under OHI because chemotherapy drugs can cause mental problems. Unfortunately, the law is we have to label them to give them services, she said. Mrs. Norris, the principal, said, Never make the assumption, not that you would, that because a child has an identifying label that somehow is indicative of their intellectual capabilities. I'll never forget the child who was identified L.D. with an I.Q. of 142. When it came to phenomic awareness, he struggled, but when something was read to him,